Hi guys, welcome back to another horror one and crime. Hey creepies. Hey KK. Hi Lo. Happy I was about to say happy Monday, but no, it's happy Tuesday. <laughs> one step closer to the weekend. Hey, a day closer is a day closer. I know, I'll take it. Except like three times today at work, I legit thought it was Thursday. Like I kept thinking it was Thursday, and then I'm like, no, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> Ugh, I'm going to go I cry. <laughs> I wish. The worst is when it's like a Wednesday, but it feels like like a Friday. And you're like, no, what? Yep. I still have two days. But sometimes especially if, if it's in the be- What? I was just going to say, like, like with my job, especially if it's a Friday client that's getting their house cleaned like on a Wednesday, it, it throws you off. It confuses you. Yes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it's the worst when it's, like, early Wednesday because then it's, like, you still technically have, like, pretty much three days. I actually, like, don't vibe with Wednesdays. Like, I feel like we should get Wednesdays off. We need, like, a midweek break, you know? Like, hump day you get off. Yeah, we (laughs) should. (laughs) Wait, I just got that. I did, too, and I said it. (laughs) Wait, that was so good. <laughs> oh god. I might Stop use high that. Five. <laughs> I might use that in the future. That was too good. <laughs> You're more than welcome to. <laughs> Patented by low, everybody, that joke. There you go. Yep. You heard it here first, people. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So today we're gonna talk about another Michigan home story. But before we do, um, shout out to our hometown favorite guy, Dax. Shout out. Um, this story is, oh my God. Um, I've been researching this for days. <laughs> Reading interviews, um, even like uh, I've watched a little bit of court like on the news like the court stuff live coverage i've it's a lot um and it's just a very bummer of a story so you're taking us down a dark journey today huh it's not as dark and gruesome as some can be but it's definitely not like a good golly miss dolly story (laughs) Okay, it's a little darker than that. Yep, most are pretty much darker (laughs) than Miss Dolly. Yeah, this is more sad. So we are going to dive into the details of Danielle Stiliski. Danielle can only be described in positive adjectives. Happy, fun, kind, adventurous, loving. She had such a big heart she grew up in redford michigan and that's like a suburb right outside of detroit she was happy she was thriving she had a girl squad that she bonded with since high school they actually called themselves the redford girls um it makes me smile because i'm like it's not that creative but it's cute at the same time like just simple you know That's what I was thinking. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's cute. Just very simple and facts, factual. Right. They were speaking the truth. (laughs) 
Um, and they went by that when they were high school and they still kind of called themselves that even though they didn't get to see each other because they moved in different directions since high school, but they all stayed close. They've actually even traveled together and did many vacations together. She mostly went by the name Danny. So Danny graduated in 2006 from Redford Union High. She was the daughter of Ann and Richard Stiliski and she had an younger sister, Holly, Jillian, and a younger brother, Matthew. Danny would describe herself as a foodie. Girl, <laughs> I hear you. Same. Aren't we all? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she loves cats. She was also very big into yoga. Danny graduated from college, but she stayed here where her roots were in Michigan she was living in Farmington, which is about an hour or so from her parents. And she just had the goals of working, making money. She wanted to provide for herself. Self-independence was important. She took care of herself. She had a nice house. Just all the adult things that you thrive to do. In 2016, Danny is now 28 and she's living by herself independently and of Farmington's apartments. They were Farmington Independent Green Apartments. And they were off of Grand River Avenue and Hallstall Road in Farmington Hills. Danny was working at a company called MetLife Insurance. And fun enough, she actually got to work with her mom. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, now they weren't on the same office. They were on different floors, but it was still the same building so they could meet for lunch and stuff. Yeah, that's super fun. This company is located on Southfield Road. I'm sorry, in Southfield on Telegraph Road, which is actually about 10 minutes from her house. So it's like, it's a pretty big, large corporation. Her job was... Her title was Global Technology and Operations Associate. Uh, she worked on the fourth floor. Her mom was on the sixth floor. No, they didn't see each other quite a bit at work, but they often, like I said, had lunch together. Her and her family was close. Danielle adored her family. Her family adored her right back. It's like the King family. <laughs> on most days. <laughs> <laughs> Danny was good at her job. She was reliable. She was dependable. And nobody had anything bad to say about her. They all loved having her work there as well. As far as having a partner or a man in her life, well, she was still looking for that Mr. Right. So at the time, she was, a, as my daughter would say, a single Pringle. <laughs> so it's now Friday, December 2nd, 2016. Danny's bestie boo, Sarah, and her were texting, and there were some personal issues that her friend was going through, so she was kind of like, hey, bestie, you know, can you want to come over, hang out tonight, like, kind of like a girl's night, and she's like, well, I'm supposed to work um, tomorrow early, but, you know, yeah, I'll make it work, so it was kind of slow at work that night. So she was going to try to see if she could just duck out a little early and uh, go and meet her girlfriend for dinner. And then they were going to go back to her place and have a little sleepover and girls night. And I'll tell you what, nothing makes you feel better when you're feeling down than having a good night with your gal pal. 
Right? Have Crack some laughs and drinks. Yes. Throw on the sweats and get a t-shirt and either get your favorite bottle of wine or your favorite quart of Ben and Jerry's and vent it out. Danny texts her friend saying, hey, I'm going to leave work here in a little bit. Let me just go home and grab a bag. I'm going to throw a few things together and then we'll go get dinner and, you know, we'll be together for the night. Um, just warning you, I have to work early tomorrow. She actually had to lead a training class on Saturday from 8 to 12. They agreed that it sounded perfect. They both did what they had to do. And then Sarah expected Danny to be there early that evening. That was the last text message that Sarah would ever receive from Danny. Sarah stated, actually, I dozed off while I was waiting for Danny to show up. Uh, Sarah is a nurse, so she works long hours as well. And when she woke up, she kind of thought, well, maybe Danny went home and actually fell asleep as well. She was working kind of late and then she's got to work the next day. So she probably just went up, fell asleep and then got up and jetted to work. But when she woke up the next morning and still had not heard from Danny, she did get a little paranoid when her text messages, phone calls, everything was going unanswered because that was not like Danny at all. And little did she know at the time... Of, at the time, her work was also getting concerned because Danny had not showed up for work either, and that definitely was not like her. Sarah started texting Danny things like, hello, are you there? Even trying to be funny, like, hey, yo, uh, are you even alive? Like, just kind of silly stuff that you, you know, normally text your friends when uh, <clears throat> they don't answer you back right away. Right. <laughs> <sighs> And uh, and only because, like we said, this is so much unlike Danny's character, Sarah was going through some personal problems and needed her friend, and there was no way that Danny would just blow her off, at least not without calling her or texting her, giving an explanation. Right, yeah, to just not, like, answer at all, I'm sure gave her, like, huge red flags. Oh, for sure. Like, if either me or you text that we're having a, a huge problem and I really need you and you're like, I'm on my way or vice versa. And then you don't hear from me or I hear from you in a day and a half, you know, something's uh, something's fishy, fishy. Yeah, for sure. So uh, she would have, yeah, like I said, she would have definitely would have called um, if she wasn't coming over. It wasn't until after texting Danny's sister and she said, you know, have you heard from Danny? And when they all said no, she decided, all right, I'm driving over her house to see what's going on. Sarah arrived at Danny's apartment around 6 p.m. and she pulls up, she sees her 2016 black Jeep Renegade from in her normal parking spot where Danny always parks. So from the parking spot to Danny's door, just to give you an idea, it's only like eight feet. So it's pretty close. And just to kind of give you guys a little bit of perspective, this isn't the type of apartments where you have to go through a main door, walk down a hallway, have four or five apartment doors. You know, she had her own private door. So after knocking on the door numerous of times, 
she started throwing stuff at the window. She even went back in her car, laid on the horn, and nothing. She tried one last stitch effort and went around back and peered inside Danny's window, but there was no sign of life in there. And I just want to point out, like, this is just amazing that Sarah even went over there. Like, to have that close of a friend that can worry about you, to go check on you, to know the signs and red flags that something is off. It's so amazing if you can have that person in your life. So, again, that just kind of represents, too, like, how tight of a bond those girls had with each other. Now it's to the point where she's getting her family involved because it's just really weird that her car is there and she cannot for the life figure out where Danny is and why she's not answering her phone. Now they've been friends for a lifetime, so she's no stranger to the family. She has no problem calling her sister and letting her know what's going on and like, can you please have your parents try to call her? Can you let your parents know? Like some I feel like something sketchy is happening. Danny's like MIA. Once they got a hold of Danny's parents and they tried to get a hold of her and they got no response either, they knew their daughter and they knew something was wrong. So they headed over to meet Sarah at the apartment. And when they pulled up, they saw the same thing. Sarah's Jeep was her renegade was in her normal spot. as She always was. So they also knew something was up because and that was they knew it was hers because it had um dirt along the bottom and where they live in farmington is off a of dirt road so it was pretty common for dirt to be across the bottom of the renegade from her going to her parents house so often so i don't know about farmington roads because i do not live there nor am i from there however I work in Rochester Hills a lot, so I am very over-familiar with Dutton Road while I drive a white drape, so I get it. So they proceeded to call the police after seeing that her purse was still inside the vehicle. And while they waited for the police to show up, Danny's parents called her in-laws or Richard's parents and asked them to come with the extra apartment keys so they could get inside. They also got a hold of AAA because they want that car door open because from the outside, they can see looking in that her purse is in there. They can see her work, her work laptop is there. And it's not like her to come home from work and leave all that stuff in the car. So she came home from work at some point. And yeah, they just was sitting on the unnerving feeling like, why is her stuff in the car? Even the cash that she had, she wouldn't just leave it in the car. They went through her purse and the money was there, cash was there, her license was there. She opened up the glove box for the extra set of house keys. Uh, those were there. So it's like, what the hell is happening? What is going on? After getting inside, they decided to look around. Nothing really stood out. There was no blood stains. There was no forced entry. So that leads them to think that either, A, somebody came to pick her up and she went out with them and she just hasn't been back yet, but they knew she also had to be to work at 8 a.m. Also, it's not like Sarah just to go out with somebody and ditch out. I'm sorry, it's not like Danny 
just to go out with somebody else and ditch out on Sarah like that. That's not her nature. One red flag also became a little unnerving was that she loved her cat very much. And it appeared that it had not been fed and it was very hungry. So for her to not come home and take care of her cat before she went back out, that was a little concerning as well. Now, because Danny's mom worked with Danny, she knew what she wore to work. She knew what to look for, what outfit she had on, and which was a pair of jeans, a jacket, and some boots. At this point, Danny's parents called the police, and they kind of informed them, like, hey, you know, there's some red flags. So they decided to come back to the apartment, and this time they brought a canine. They were convinced that she never went inside the apartment. These canines, they were sniffing around outside, but they couldn't pick up her scent at all. So this is where it very quickly starts becoming a missing persons investigation. At this time, the Farmington Hills Police Department actually jumped on it, which is amazing because, Crystal, how many times have we heard the story of they waited 24 hours. She probably just went out and had too much to drink. She probably just, you know, sleeping it off somewhere. I too mean, many times. We've heard them all drag their feet and stuff, especially when friends and family are like, no, 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 that's not how she is. And they're like, well, I'm sure she'll turn up. Yeah, too many delays that we've heard of. So it's good so, that they jumped right on this. Yes, Uh you know, they didn't do the, oh, she ran away, the whatever excuses. They're like, okay, Farmington took action immediately and made it a priority real quick. So applause to Farmington Police Department. So they put out a statement very urgently asking for help and told them that they were a missing woman from 10 Mile Road and Telegraph in Southfield and is asking for the people's help. They ask if anybody has seen Danielle leaving MetLife Insurance Company between the hours of 4.30 and 5 o'clock. They noted that it is December, so it's also winter, so she would have been wearing a winter jacket, which is a royal blue color. Another statement that they put out was asking people if they've seen her driving her black renegade, and they are trying to tie it to a timeline. They want to know exactly when the renegade was parked in that parking lot. Not only was Danny missing, but two items that was missing with her were her keys and her Samsung Galaxy phone. And they wanted to know if anybody had happened to find them. It would be easy to spot her keys because it had a yellow smiley face keychain on it and her phone was a rose gold phone case. On top of posting pictures of the missing items so the public could see, her parents and family put together a $10,000 reward for her return. And then they also obviously put out the description of Danielle herself. She was white. She was medium length, brown, wavy hair. She had it up in a bun most of the time. She was 5'5 and about 120 pounds. That day, she was wearing jeans, a black zip-up shirt. She had a royal blue jacket on, and she was also wearing burgundy boots. It's been about 24 hours, and no one has heard anything from Danny. It's now Sunday. People in her life, like her friends, family, 
They're going around to all her local hangouts, checking to see if anybody has seen her. The police are processing her car, her apartment. They're doing the best they can to search for her. However, it is December and around this time, a big snowstorm hits. So unfortunately, it did have to slow the investigation down a tad bit. Mother Nature's a bitch. For real. <laughs> However, the next few months after that, they got everybody back together. They started hitting and searching and they got dive teams in the water. They had helicopters. They had all the surrounding cities. They included Detroit, Berkeley, Royal Oak, Livonia, Highland Park, Farmington Hills, and any other cities throughout Wayne County and Oakland County. They started checking dumpsters, garbage. They started checking nature trails. They even went as far as looking at landfills. But I don't want to say unfortunately or fortunately because it's a double-bladed sword. Um, right. But they didn't find a body. So now we get to the point where where is her phone? Where has her phone been? So the police know that her phone was either in or around the MetLife Insurance Company where she worked at 4.47 p.m. on December 2nd. Now, that would have been on Telegraph Road in Southfield, just short of 10 Mile Road. At 4.48 p.m., they showed it moving east and ending up in a location in the city of Berkeley, ending at 5.08 p.m. The phone stayed in that proximity until 7.53 p.m. So that's three hours of that phone moving around those locations. Yeah, that's weird. Around 7.53 p.m., the phone takes moving again, and this time it's heading west towards her apartment and then stopping at her apartment at 8.16 p.m. So this is where it seems like it's becomes more of an ending point with the phone anyway. It gets turned off at 8.16 p.m. And it goes back to around the four o'clock hour where if you remember, she was texting with Sarah and saying she was running home to grab some stuff and then it'll be over. That was the last communication text on her phone that was made. So at this point, the police are now convinced that this is looking more like foul play. Daniel was not a runaway. She was not suicidal by any means. She was happy. She was living her best life. She was close to her friends. She was close to her family. The police go out of the way and they make statements saying that they believe that this is foul play and that they are following the investigation and the evidence as it comes in, and they need to continue with this case. So we're going to quickly just reiterate, allegedly, we know that it's December 2nd, Danny went to work. She ducked out a little early, so she go with her bestie boo at 447. Her phone was at MetLife. 508, it hit Berkeley until 816, then it was back at her apartment. Investigators of Farmington Police Station sent a team to work and they start questioning her friends at MetLife, 
just to find out what was going on that day. Investigators and detectives interview a woman named Debbie. Her last name is I am. Oh, weird. Yeah. So Debbie, I am, uh, she, so Danny was Gabby's trainer and Debbie also said that she was kind of a mentor for her. So she was very fond of Danny. Debbie noted that she did leave at the same time as her. They walked out basically together all the way till they got to the doors. And then they went their separate ways to their cars. And they're still in the parking garage at this point. So they're not really that far from each other, but it's a big building. So, and this is like a parking structure. So really, unless you have business in there or work there or... I guess, have a meeting or interview or appointment there, you're not going to be in there. It's not just a normal parking lot where any person can just go and park. You know what I mean? Like, Right. If you're parked there, you have some kind of business there, you know? And uh, so it's a pretty big building. Um, and it's very beautiful. It has a lot of different office structures. It's just... Uh, Let's say it's 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 not like your normal state farm building. So Debbie goes to her car and she just looks over to see Danny make it to her car. And then she noticed that she's not in her car. And she noticed that Danny was actually standing and talking to a gentleman who had his car parked and his hood up. And she said he was in a dark gray late model Buick. She noticed the man was a black man, about 5'8", and he had a suit on. She noticed Danny is having a conversation. And the way her body language is and the way she's talking, it clearly looks like she knows who this person is. Deborah stated that she did recognize the gentleman from the office building. Unfortunately, Debbie does not know his name. She stated that the place, unfortunately, you know, is a pretty big place. She did see him around, but she never really had interactions with him. But she knows for sure that he's been in the MetLife building. After watching the two talk, Danny seemed okay. She didn't seem like she was in danger. She seemed like she was friendly enough. And that she knew the guy. So she's like, you know what? I have things I have to do. They're kind of pressing. So she's like, she seems fine. So she drove away. And that was the last time she ever seen Danielle. Another co-worker of Danielle's for MetLife told the police that she had a work relationship with him. They didn't really socialize, but they did hang out. And they were friendly enough. His name was Brandon Williams. He said that he left just a few minutes after Danielle. He watched her walk out as he walked out. And they, you know, said just a courtesy goodbye. His car was in the same lot as Danielle, but his was just farther back. So the time he got to his vehicle and drove around to the exit and pulled out into the intersection, he was actually in the left lane and he noticed Danny and her Jeep was next to him in the right lane. He was in the left lane, which would force him to go south. She was in the right lane, which is going to force her to go north. Now, remember, on Telegraph Road, it's like a multi-lane road. 
And depending on what lane you're in, sometimes it can force you to turn one way. For us, another can force you to turn like a different way. He stated this was probably about 5 p.m. on Friday. He noticed Danny driving her Jeep and noticed a gentleman from MetLife building, someone he noticed that was at the work building before. He was with her in the passenger side. Brandon would be ultimately the last person to ever see Danny. Debbie and Brandon both gave descriptions of the same black man. They both said they seen him around the work building and they both were kind of in question, like, who is this man? So it's now December 6th and Danny's been missing for four days. The time they figure out who this man possibly is, he's not an employee at MetLife. So the detectives are asking, why was he there? And we want to know the type of parking structure. They want to know, like, this is not a random person. Like, kind of like I said before, you have to kind of have business there to be in there. It's not going to be just an average Joe is going to go up in there. So what is his connection to MetLife? What is this theory? So the man you're looking at, his name is Floyd Galloway Jr., he was once an employee there as a security guard, but he had no longer employed there because he had, so he had no reason to be there. So why was he there? Long story short, the company he was contracted with no longer contracted MetLife. So therefore, when you have to cut jobs and cut ties, well, unfortunately, he lost his job at MetLife. Floyd Russell Galloway Jr. was born January 23rd, 1987. He went to Shrine High School, which is in Royal Oak. He played basketball. He played football. He was shy. He was quiet. He didn't really get into trouble, kind of kept himself, didn't really have a history of causing issues. While he worked at MetLife, he was married to a woman named Eileen Galloway. They had been married for about four years. The couple lived at 2910 Oxford Street in Berkeley. So Ford was, so Ford deployed a security contracting job and he was going to school to become an EMT. So he would volunteer as a firefighter as well. So Floyd and Danny met because he was a security guard around the company. She, he worked for a contracted company. However, Danny worked for MetLife, so they would bump into each other. Um, they would have their one run-ins, but other than that, it was a just at workplace relationship. Particularly for the job was for him to man the front desk. People would come in, he would have to sign for them or have them sign in. He would ask what the business was, why they were coming, all the details, but basically he was like a front desk guy. So there were rumors going around throughout their employees saying that Floyd was interested in Danielle, which was awkward and weird because as I just said, he's been married for four years, but I guess that doesn't stop everybody. Sadly not. 
they said that because Danny's nature of her being just so kind and very sweet that she probably didn't want to hurt his feelings, although she did not return his feelings. So she was probably just still like really nice to him. Detectives asked Danny's mom if she remembered him. And even though she worked on the sixth floor of the same building, Danny said she knew Floyd and she knew of him to be professional and very nice. She never really noticed any problems with him. He always seemed to be approachable, which means he was probably very conversational and would like to chit chat with people. She told Detroit News that as part of her job, she would particularly he would particularly watch women walk out to their cars and make sure that they got there safely. Which, note to self, if that was his responsibility and he's responsible for the disappearance of Danny, like watching women walk to their cars and make sure they got there safely, okay. But it doesn't make it too hard to figure out like what she drove and where she parked. Just food for thought. Right. Like it definitely would have made it easier for him to kind of like plan ahead because he knew where she parked and like what car she drove. And most people, not always, but most people are like a creature of habit. So you probably park in the same row, same couple of spots every time. Right. Making it that much easier for him to like, you know, you know, do his plan or whatever it was. Right. She noted that more than more times than not that she would be having lunch with Danny on the fourth floor and he would always come up he would say hi and he was the only security guard that ever did that like no one else ever walked around no one else ever came up there and she noticed that it was always around danny's lunch break and she talked about how she remembers on october 28 2015 danny received a bouquet of flowers on her desk with a card saying from your secret admirer Ew. <laughs> Ick factor. Very much. Um, another little red flag that kind of popped up was that while working in the building, deliveries were not allowed to go personally to your desk. So you have to go and pick them up. So that was kind of concerning. Like, how did the flowers make it to her desk? Which means Danny, or basically somebody that knew Danny, had to go get the flowers and they had to put them on her desk and they just didn't know who it was. And clearly it wasn't Danny. You know what I mean? Clearly. I think we know who it was now. <laughs> Danny didn't have a relationship with Floyd. She really didn't think much of him. So she didn't really think it would be from him. Like they were friendly enough, but I mean, in her eyes, he's married. You know what I mean? Like, Right. She probably didn't even think twice about him or anything like that. And they didn't, you know, hang out outside of work. So she probably just thought like, yeah, he's weird, but not obviously enough to make her scared. You know what I mean? Right. She also stated that Danny had conversations and told her that um, this part did kind of weird her out a little bit, but. Um, the creepy vibe part was that he would loiter around her cubicle trying to make small talk and he wasn't even supposed to be around there. That wasn't part of his job, but she would talk friendly to him and she just kind of thought it was weird. When the police investigated her apartment, they did find that card and they found out it was like a little post-it note or a little card that kind of comes with the flowers. 
And they also found an old prepaid phone. Now, her nature was the kind of person that was good-hearted. So there was no suspicion of like, why does she got a prepaid prepaid phone? It wasn't sketchy activity they were worried about. In their mind, it was more so like, okay, she's got a prepaid phone. She didn't want a big phone bill. She's single, maybe trying to be on a budget, doesn't want to go over. So uh, didn't have the greatest credit maybe. So maybe she just went that route instead. There were text messages between Floyd and Danny found on the phone. And they're about a year old from 2015. And it was in the fall. So before I go into the messages between these two, just remember that Danielle has been with the company for just less than 10 years. So it's it's been kind of quite a while. October 23rd, 2015, Floyd starts it out. Hey, Danny, new place coming along? Yeah, it's good. Trying to settle in. May I ask who this is? It's Floyd, silly. I thought you had my name saved. Sad face. I did, but I lost my old phone. So October 30th, week later. Hi, y'all. Hey, what's up? Nothing, just seeing what's up. Hey, did you send me flowers by any chance? Nope, I don't know anything about no flowers. Is it your birthday? No, they just randomly showed up at my desk. Can't figure out who sent them, LOL. Hey, since it's Friday and I'm bored, do you have any plans by chance? I'm supposed to go to a friend's 30th birthday party, but I'm not sure how much longer I'll be at work, sad face. Well, tell work to peace out. I have a really cool drinking game. We can play if you want to come over. We can pregame. I'd love to, but I'm already running late. I'm just leaving work and it started at 6.30. So these text messages were from October 30th, 2015. And we just, I wanted to know like, wow, like he's texting this to Danny. And this is wife's birthday Ugh. on the same day. So can we just say POS, like big POS, oh capital my, like POS? Big time. His poor wife, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> for multiple reasons. Uh, and you, you, you haven't even got to. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So there was more text. It was on November 21st, and I asked her what's up, but that was the last of it on the phone. And it is noted that her new phone went missing, and there are four messages back and forth between her and Floyd, but it's undisclosed of what it says. Now, I don't know if the police know what it says or they don't know what it says, but that part has not been unlocked to the public. That's weird. I wonder I wonder why that is. I feel like police probably know, but like for maybe. some reason they're not like releasing that information. Yeah, maybe something to do at the time, you know, for the investigation. So really we don't know what they said to each other, but again. She's been at the company for pretty much 10 years. And, you know, you're usually accessible at work. Being a security guard, it probably wasn't hard for her to get or for him to get her phone number or a friend of a friend thing. I don't know. I just feel like when you work with people, somehow, some way, everybody just gets everybody's phone number at some point throughout life. You know what I mean? Right. Especially if she's been there for almost 10 years. Like, that's definitely not like a weird thing yeah 
Um, although she did not return his feelings, you know, that he was pushing for, people seemed to feel like she didn't want to be like a mega bitch. So she was just kind of like, you know, the awkward <laughs> type laugh, but really you're like, oh dear God, help me. You know what I mean? Like, right, for sure. She probably didn't want to make him feel bad or like make an uncomfortable situation at work. So she was just being nice. And he obviously was taking that. Which if she in like knows a twisted that, way. Yeah. And if she knew he was married, she could have just very easily said, hey, you're married. I don't feel comfortable as being another woman you talk to, you know, or hang right, out with. Yeah. It's just not my style, you know. Right. Or if she even wanted to do it more nonchalantly, she could have just been like, like when he asked her to like go pregame, she could have been like, oh, is your wife going? Will yeah. she be with us? You know, like. But I get so, it. Like, that's a weird, awkward position to be in. So going back to the descriptions of the two witnesses, and it made the cops wonder, like, why was Floyd there then? Like, he hasn't been with the company, you know, since 2016. So the officer decided to make a stop over at Floyd's house in Berkeley, but nobody was home. So they went up to the work where he was contracted and a security guard there at American Axel now, and that was in Rochester Hills. He usually works three to 11 during the week. So when the cops pulled up when he was working and they saw that right outside was a gray blue it, gray Buick, just as the description was given. So detectives rolled up. They noticed that the plate was odd, but when they looked into it, they realized it was under his wife's name. She got the car right before she went in the hospital because she's been in the hospital for a while. Oh yeah, while all this is going on and he's playing flirty, flirt, flirt, his wife is in the hospital dealing with cancer. Okay, yep, hate him. <laughs> yeah. So while they're requesting Floyd, they do ask him, do you know Danielle? And he says, yes. He says, but he hasn't talked to her in a couple months, which would make sense because he hasn't worked in a couple months. But... We know he's probably lying through his teeth. He said, he said, I heard about her disappearance, though, through a friend. Now, a few things I did notice here would he would not make eye contact, stated one of the detectives. And they also stated that he looked at the flyer with her face on it. And they said that his hands were kind of shaky and nervous about something. Detectives brought up his wife and they asked him if he was married and he said yes, but she's on a long stay in the hospital right now because she's battling cancer. So after the visit, Floyd lawyered up real quick, decided to shut it down and not talk to anybody about Danielle. So that was enough for detectives to say, okay, that's the ball you want to pitch, then we're going to swing. And they got a search warrant and they decided they're going to search his house. Game on, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, so on December 7th, they executed the search. They went through his house. They tore the place up. And you wouldn't even know this in the media. This was like on the down low, low key. The search and all this wasn't hit and hit public yet. On December 22nd, they went back for another search. And this time the media surrounding, they were surrounding everything and everywhere. Next thing you know, media headlines, former employee linked to missing girl, Danielle. Now, they didn't mention him by name. They just said a former employee because that's all they had in the moment. But the witnesses did give police the floorboards, mattress. 
They said that they've gone back multiple times. They had several bags of evidence. They impounded three vehicles and they were not going to let this guy go. They were going to get every fiber covered that they could with this guy. I'm sorry, did I say they went back multiple times? Because they had 78 different search warrants for Floyd. Oh my, that's got to be a record. It's a lot. They even included uh, parks that he lived by, churches. They went to his parents' house. They went anywhere who's connected to, they touched it. Neighbors even confirmed that since the disappearance of, disappearance of Danielle started, uh, the media, they have not seen Floyd's wife around the neighborhood at all. Coincidence? I think not. Now, Eileen got out of the hospital on December 9th. Now, remember, she was in there because she's battling cancer and she's been in there for a while. So that was kind of like due to the inconvenience of the search of the house, they decided to go and stay with her parents in Royal Oak. Now, Kay, what do you think he told his wife and his in-laws and his parents of why everything he's touched and everything that's going on, his house is getting searched. I mean, like what explanation do you think he can, you can give? I don't even know, but I'm sure it was the most dumbass excuse that you could probably think of. Yeah. Well, whatever it was, he told them is they seem to be buying it because they're very supportive of him and they did not waver on that. So, while this is happening, Floyd's family, everybody's still looking for Danielle. The search is still on. They have 12 different agencies looking for her. The FBI, Michigan State Police, Secret Service, Border Control, U.S. Customs, everybody. They're trying to prove that it's foul play and either while willingly or unwillingly, she did not leave the country. On December 7th, they did a press conference that showed a picture of Danielle in the outfit that she had on, the color of her keys, the keychain, what it looked like, everything in detail, her apartment complex and MetLife and people in her family. They all put together a reward for Danielle of $120,000. Wow. Days turned into weeks. On December 19th, 2016, Police announced that they believed that Danielle Stileski was a victim of crime. This was no longer missing persons. This would be now a victim of foul play. So sad. I know. But this is where we're going to leave you. And come back next week for part two. And I promise you, it's still going to be annoying and angry and bullshitty um, as much as the first half is. Gosh, that man makes me so mad for so many reasons. <laughs> Obviously for the obvious reason, which we haven't, you know, fully gotten there, I'm assuming. I know there's much more to cover next week. Oh, we just have no idea what this forget. Oh, yeah. Just but even just for all the little things leading up to this point that he's done, I just already am not a fan. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. And uh, yeah, so come back 
next week and we will pick it up from here until that time we got to go stay creepy guys bye bye